0: Good morning, some weeks before I had mentioned that I would be teaching on gospel renewal and sanctification and that's precisely what I'm gonna do this morning. Gospel renewal and sanctification in the broader context means the importance of ongoing faith and repentance in the life of the believer. So we need to establish a framework to understand the process of inward transformation that God is working through us daily. In essence, we are going to be learning about those elements of following Jesus that are essential to gospel transformation. Come with me to Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 to 27. And what's remarkable about this passage is that this was prophesied through the prophet Ezekiel by the Lord years before the new covenant and this passage is talking about the new covenant and what God was going to do an amazing work in the people of the new covenant. That's you and me. Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. What we see clearly in this passage is that the Holy Spirit initiates renewal, but we are meant to respond. So when we get into the topic of inward renewal, we have to be conscious and mindful of this beautiful fact that even at this moment, the Holy Spirit is personally at work in us, even right now as we speak. And it is this ongoing life in the Holy Spirit that leads to inward transformation, what we call renewal. And it's through a lifestyle of repentance and faith we participate in that transformation. So the key to gospel transformation is faith and repentance. And these both work like a combustion engine of spiritual transformation. So in short, the lifestyle of faith is trust in the person of Jesus Christ alone, casting our entire weight on him, and relying upon God alone entirely. And on the other hand, a lifestyle of repentance involves ultimately acknowledging the brokenness and the incompleteness in our lives without feeling the need to minimize our sin. So we release our insecurity, fear, shame, guilt onto Jesus, and we allow him to change us. And further to this, God give, gives us, provides us with the means of grace through disciplines through the blessings and gifts he has given us in the body, even sacraments to help us experience this lifestyle of faith and repentance. And so this renewal cycle is the primary tool by which we then live out the gospel. Let's take time to just establish this topic for a, for a few minutes. And how I'm going to do that. Let's just read three very important passages of scripture. And then I want to ask you, what was the key thing you saw in each of these three passages. So keep your ears and eyes open as we look at these three important passages. The first being Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me. The next Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 to 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. 1 Corinthians 2, 10-12. to 12. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. So here's the question. What do you think these Bible passages are pointing to? What is the key words you saw in each verse? And what I saw for myself is that there's a Very important link between a clean heart and the Holy Spirit. Because it is He and He alone that does the work of inward transformation and renewal in our life. But the question comes is that how does the Holy Spirit actually do this in us? And so we will identify three essential components or elements of ongoing renewal sanctification, and transformation in our life. And, and, and by doing this, I want to, I want to remind you of what I shared in the month of August. The entire overarching journey of the Christian life begins with redemption, justification, doesn't end there. Through our life, there is this very important work of sanctification. We are being transformed inward from glory to glory till one day we will be glorified with Jesus. And so these three important components of of renewal and transformation is, first, faith, second, repentance, and third component is the means of grace. I repeat again, the first component is faith, the second being repentance, and the third is means of grace. And before I take you further on to this, I want us to be able to understand there are two tensions through which we need to navigate before I actually take us further into explaining the aspects of these components of faith, repentance, and means of grace. We've got to navigate through this tension uh, before we unpack the renewal framework. And so let me explain. The first tension addresses the mindset that emphasizes repentance without emphasizing on faith. And the second tension addresses the mindset that emphasizes faith alone without emphasizing repentance. So these tensions or these mindsets can be articulated in these two ways. Please hear carefully. Number one, we must completely, absolutely reject a triumphalist notion of Christianity, that mindset says. If we are to follow Christ, we will suffer We must be constantly aware of our own wretchedness, our own hatefulness, and our own sinfulness. The second mindset doesn't Jesus save us once and for all? Why is there a need for ongoing repentance? Now, let me try my best to explain this with the help of the Lord. Surely we must live in the victory of Christ, living in the fullness of the resurrection. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ means releasing the morbidity and horror of sin. We don't have any affection for sin. We don't seek to have that. It means living fully in the affection and the joy of Jesus and exuding that joy into a broken and terrifying world. So when we look at both these statements, both are right, but both can be wrong if only one is taken. So, but why are they both right? Because they each pick up on the realities that many Christians live with each day. Now, let me explain this with an example. Think about an addict listening to each person separately. The addict will hear the first person and think to himself, why am I like this? I know God despises my sin. I know I need to change. I know he will not accept me if I am not holy. The addict, on the other hand, if he goes to the second preacher and will think to himself, thank God... He does not hold my sin against me. I'm victorious in Christ. I declare verbally that victory over me. Now, in neither case is there truly any real change. The addict simply learns new mantras to speak over himself and moves on in the struggles of his life and sin. But real gospel-centered change requires both and requires both faith and repentance on an ongoing basis. So, Some of you would be wondering, if not all, why must we repent and have faith on an ongoing basis? We're going to look at a very precious passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to verse 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, there are some who have argued that the first chapter of 1 John does not address Christians but non-Christians in the world. And to make this argument, they point to the lack of a salutation which traditional letters carry at the beginning. Only in chapter 2, they say, is when John writes, My dear children. So it's from chapter two that they argue that John is actually beginning to address Christians. And my response to that is that this is a serious misunderstanding of scripture with severe theological and severe consequences in our Christian faith. And my response is this firstly, that when the episodes were written, they were never written as chapters and verses. They were simply written as one clear episode. So somebody wrote me a letter, on what basis would I say that the first paragraph does not relate to me simply because my name has not been mentioned in the first paragraph, but only from the second paragraph. I obviously would say this letter is addressed to me. Furthermore, by the use of the pronouns mentioned over there, we see John using words like we, very clearly, repeatedly, he's including himself in whatever he's written in chapter one. And so we see that the chapter one is clearly includes all Christians. And it would be a very severe misunderstanding of scripture to say that chapter one is not for us, it only begins from chapter two. Furthermore, there is no record in the theology of church history that there was any such differentiation in chapter 1 and chapter 2. So I request that we do not pursue such faulty understanding of scripture. But let us go further. When, Whether talking to Christians or non-Christians, false teachers, or a mix of both, John is very clearly, as an apostle, articulating the presence of ongoing sin in the life of the believer. My brothers and sisters, would I be able to make a claim that because Jesus has set me free from the penalty of sin, that I do not struggle with sin today? No way. I struggle with sin every day. And I need to appropriate his grace every day. And therefore comes the need for ongoing repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to make use of the means of grace in order to experience gospel renewal and sanctification so we come now to the main aspect of a biblical foundation for this renewal framework and so we come to colossians chapter 3 in this beautiful passage of scripture from verse 1 to verse 17 where we see the essence and the summary of what the apostle paul is saying is put on jesus christ and put off the flesh and its deeds i repeat put on jesus christ and put on put off the works of the flesh and the flesh itself. And he goes on to articulate what it means to put on Jesus, and he he, he elaborates and he details on what it means to put off the flesh with its works. So let's read it together, Colossians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when we look at this entire passage, we see very clearly the need for ongoing repentance and ongoing faith, and even further, to use the means of grace that God has given us in order to help us in this process. Clearly, we see Paul commanding us to put off the flesh and its works. Beloved, we need to be willing to acknowledge the brokenness in our life without feeling the need to minimize our sin. And Paul is using strong language to talk about voracious hatred for sin as he calls to put it to death, kill it, these evil desires and the inclinations of our hearts. You know, the tendency can be to try to manage our sin. But beloved, we're not commanded to manage our sin. We're called to put it to death. And so there can be two extremes that we could struggle with. One is to try and not make ourselves look feels feel so bad and, and and try to deceive ourselves to move away from repentance. On the other hand, we can move away outside of repentance and move into regret. And we try to beat ourselves and move from one pity party to the other. Both are extremes that need to be rejected. What we need is biblical repentance. And biblical repentance we grow in layers in our life because God is concerned more about the roots of our sin than our fruits. I'm not saying that he's not concerned about the fruits, but he can see that the fruits that are showing up, whether it's anger, whether it is whether it's sexual immorality, whether it is gossiping and causing divisions among people, there are roots that go down deeply embedded in our hearts that need to be exposed. And as he does that lovingly and in the light of the scripture, with the help of the Spirit, we need to own up to it. We need to acknowledge it and ask him to root them out of our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. So, beloved, always remember that renewal always requires the relinquishment, the rejection and destruction of idols. We see that throughout the history of Israel. And we see that throughout in the New Testament narrative. Beloved, we are all prone to idolatry. It is not the idols outside that are deadly. It's the idols inside that are deadly. And that's why John would write in one of his epistles, Beloved children, beware of idols. Which idols? Many times we are guilty of making good things our idols. We over-desire good things. And this is what is slippery about heart idols. We replace God with not bad things, essentially, but with good things. And so it is very important that we ask the Holy Spirit, not just mere self-introspection, but we need the Holy Spirit to help us see what is in our hearts. Search me, O God, and try me, and see there be if any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The prayer of King David in Psalm 139, the last verse, is essential for us, beloved. And as we do that, the Lord will continuously help us to remove those things that are not of him in our lives and experience ongoing repentance. And we will experience renewal by the power of his spirit. Not regret, and not, on the other hand, licentiousness, that we think we're free to do what we want, just because we were once saved. On the other hand, along with ongoing repentance, we need ongoing faith, and which is putting on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator by establishing our identity in Jesus and Jesus alone. We need to set our heart and our minds and our affections completely on Jesus. I want to read a quote from the book of J.C. Ryle's Holiness A Bridge, and that will really help understand what I mean by ongoing faith. Our faith is in Christ and Christ alone, in who he is, all that he has done for us, and who we are in him. So here is J.C. Ryle in his book. A special faith in our Lord Jesus Christ's person, work, and office is the life, heart, and mainspring of the Christian character. The Christian sees by faith an unseen Savior who loved him, gave himself for him, paid his debts for him, bore his sins, carried his transgressions, rose again for him, and appears in heaven for him as his advocate at the right hand of God. He sees Jesus and clings to him. He sees his own many sins, his weak heart, a tempting world, a busy devil. If he looked only at them, he might well despair. But he sees also a mighty Savior, an interceding Savior, a sympathizing Savior, his blood, his righteousness, his everlasting priesthood. And he believes that all this of Jesus is his own. He sees Jesus and casts his whole weight on him. Seeing him, he cheerfully fights on with full confidence that he will prove more than a conqueror through him who loved him. Habitually live lively faith in Christ's presence and readiness To help is the secret of the Christian fighting successfully. Beloved, there are so many beautiful dimensions to faith, as there are many dimensions to the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. This faith is all-encompassing. Faith points to the fact that you were not made for this world, beloved. This world is not the best. And I'm super delighted and super hopeful about what awaits us. For the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been preparing a place for us. But as somebody said, Jesus is preparing a place for a prepared people. And ongoing faith and repentance, working together by the help of the Holy Spirit, causes inward transformation, preparing us for what God has prepared for those who love him. Beloved, God awaits you to lead you into adventures and dreams. Our minds can't even fathom right now. But Paul is inviting you and me to make this beautiful future our own by declaring that we are in Christ faith is trust in the person of Christ casting our entire weight on him relying upon him alone is throwing ourselves at the mercy of Jesus Christ and clinging to him not as an intellectual theological concept merely but as our savior our lord our good shepherd our redeemer our sanctifier our protector our provider a healer, our a deliverer, our beloved brother and our best friend. Now, as we have spoken much about ongoing faith and repentance, I just want to introduce the aspect of means of grace. I don't need to ex- explain much about this because as a church we really pursued this. We, we love spiritual disciplines, not as a means of earning our love uh, God's love for us or his salvation, but as a means of our love for him, expression of our love for him. Who first loved us and gave himself for us? So by means of these spiritual disciplines and the gifts that God has given us, we appropriate his grace that enable ongoing repentance and faith. So disciplines and means of grace, like prayer, it is essential the study of God's word. I don't want to elaborate these because I've elaborated these before right now. Fellowship, so important. Godly friends, godly community. you we see Paul reminding all of these things in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, to verse 17. And look at that carefully. And even the sacraments of water baptism and communion. And I still remember the day when I took water baptism and what a powerful experience it was that in my heart and mind, I resolved that the old had gone. The old Shannon was dead and had to be kept dead. And the new Shannon was born again in Christ. Jesus, born of the incorruptible seed of God's word and born of the Holy Spirit and being transformed from glory to glory by ongoing faith and repentance. And even when we take the bread, for instance, we remember that our sins have been paid for in full. And when we drink from the cup, we remember the covenant that God has saved us and the atonement that stands for all eternity. I've said much, beloved, and I know this is a weighty message, but essential, beloved, of ongoing faith and repentance and how God has given us the means of grace in order to keep this combustion of faith and repentance keep going on strong so that we not only experience the joy of the penalty of sin being broken, but even experience the joy of the power of sin being broken till one day God will completely forever deliver us from the very presence of sin. So God bless you and may you continue to grow in the Lord, be strong in his grace and grow from glory to glory. The Lord bless you.